Modern World History, Patterns of Interaction, Chapter 7, Section 3, Napoleon Forges an Empire, Setting the Stage. Napoleon Bonaparte was quite a short man, just 5 feet 3 inches tall. However, he cast a long shadow over the history of modern times. He would come to be recognized as one of the world's greatest military geniuses, along with Alexander the Great of Macedonia, Hannibal of Carthage, and Julius Caesar of Rome. In only four years, from 1795 to 1799, Napoleon rose from a relatively obscure position as an officer in the French army to become the master of France. Napoleon seizes power. Napoleon Bonaparte was born in 1769 on the Mediterranean island of Corsica. When he was nine years old, his parents sent him to a military school. In 1785, at the age of 16, he finished school and became a lieutenant in the artillery. When the revolution broke out, Napoleon joined the army of the new government. Hero of the hour. In October 1795, fate handed the young officer a chance for glory. When royalist rebels marched on the National Convention, a government official told Napoleon to defend the delegates. Napoleon and his gunners greeted the thousands of royalists with a cannonade. Within minutes, the attackers fled in panic and confusion. Napoleon Bonaparte became the hero of the hour and was hailed throughout Paris as a savior of the French Republic. In 1796, the Directory appointed Napoleon to lead the French armies against the forces of Austria and the Kingdom of Sardinia. Crossing the Alps, the young general swept into Italy and won a series of remarkable victories. Next, in an attempt to protect French trade interests and to disrupt British trade interests with India, Napoleon led an expedition to Egypt, but he was unable to repeat the successes he achieved in Europe. His army was pinned down in Egypt, and the British Admiral Horatio Nelson defeated his naval forces. However, Napoleon managed to keep stories about his setbacks out of the newspapers and thereby remained a great hero to the people of France. Coup d'etat. By 1799, the Directory had lost control of the political situation and the confidence of the French people. When Napoleon returned from Egypt, his friends urged him to seize political power. Napoleon took action in early November 1799. Troops under his command surrounded the national legislature and drove out most of its members. The lawmakers who remained then voted to dissolve the directory. In its place, they established a group of three consuls, one of whom was Napoleon. Napoleon quickly took the title of first consul and assumed the powers of a dictator. A sudden seizure of power, like Napoleon's, is known as a coup from the French fr uh, fate, phrase coup d'état, or blow to the state. At the time of Napoleon's coup, France was still at war. In 1799, Britain, Austria, and Russia joined forces with one goal in mind, to drive Napoleon from power. Once again, Napoleon rode from Paris at the head of his troops. Eventually, as a result of war and diplomacy, all three nations signed peace agreements with France. By 1802, Europe was at peace for the first time in 10 years. Napoleon was free to focus his energies on restoring order in France. Napoleon rules France. At first, Napoleon pretended to be the constitutionally chosen leader of a free republic. In 1800, a plebiscite, or vote of the people, was held to approve a new constitution. 
Desperate for strong leadership, the people voted overwhelmingly in favor of the Constitution. This gave all real power to Napoleon as first consul. Restoring order at home. Napoleon did not try to return the nation to the days of Louis XVI. Rather, he kept many of the changes that had come with the revolution. In general, he supported laws that would both strengthen the central government and achieve some of the goals of the revolution. His first task was to get the economy on solid footing. Napoleon set up an efficient method of tax collection and established a national banking system. In addition to, insu uh, in addition to ensuring the government a steadily steady supply of tax money, these actions promoted sound financial management and better control of the economy. Napoleon also took steps to end corruption and inefficiency in government. He dismissed corrupt officials, and in order to provide the government with trained officials, set up lycées, or government-run public schools. These lycées were open to male students of all backgrounds. Graduates were appointed to public office on the basis of merit rather than family connections. One area where Napoleon disregarded changes introduced by the revolution was religion. Both the clergy and many peasants wanted to restore the position of the church in France. Responding to their wishes, Napoleon signed a concordat, or agreement, with Pope Pius VII. This established a new relationship between church and state. The government recognized the influence of the church, but rejected church control in national affairs. The Concordat gained Napoleon the support of the organized church, as well as the majority of French people. Napoleon thought his greatest work was his comprehensive system of laws, known as the Napoleonic Code. This gave the country a uniform set of laws and eliminated many injustices. However, it actually limited liberty and promoted order and authority over individual rights. For example, freedom of speech and of the press established during the revolution were restricted under the code. The code also restored slavery in the French colonies of the Caribbean. Napoleon crowned as emperor. In 1804, Napoleon decided to make himself emperor and the French voters supported him. On December 2nd, 1804, dressed in a splendid robe of purple velvet, Napoleon walked down the long aisle of Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. The Pope waited for him with a glittering crown. As thousands watched, the new emperor took the crown from the Pope and placed it on his own head. With this gesture, Napoleon signaled that he was more powerful than the church, which had traditionally crowned the rulers of France. Napoleon creates an empire. Napoleon was not content simply to be master of France. He wanted to control the rest of Europe and to reassert French power in the Americas. He envisioned his Western Empire, including Louisiana, Florida, French Guiana, and the French West Indies. He knew that the key to this area was the sugar-producing colony of Saint-Dominique, now called Haiti, on the island of Hispaniola. Loss of American Territories In 1789, when the ideas of the revolution reached the planters of Saint-Dominique, they demanded that the National Assembly give them the same privileges as the people of France. Eventually, enslaved Africans in the colony demanded their rights too, in other words, their freedom. A civil war erupted, and enslaved Africans under the leadership of Toussaint Louverture seized control of the colony. In 1801, Napoleon decided to take back the colony and restore its productive sugar industry. However, the French forces were devastated by disease, and the rebels proved to be fierce fighters. 
After the failure of the expedition to Saint-Dominique, Napoleon decided to cut his losses in the Americas. He offered to sell the Louisiana, sell all the Louisiana territories to the United States, and in 1803, President Jefferson's administration agreed to purchase the land for $15 million. Napoleon saw a twofold benefit to the sale. First, he would gain money to finance operations in Europe. Second, he would punish the British. Quote, The sale assures forever the power of the United States, and I have given England a rival who sooner or later will humble her pride. End quote. Conquering Europe Having abandoned his imperial ambitions in the New World, Napoleon turned his attention to Europe. He had already annexed the Austrian Netherlands and parts of Italy to France, and set up a puppet government in Switzerland. Now he looked to expand his influence further. Fearful of his ambitions, the British persuaded Russia, Austria, and Sweden to join them against France. Napoleon met this challenge with his usual boldness. In a series of brilliant battles, he crushed the opposition. The commanders of the enemy armies could never predict his next move and often took heavy losses. After the Battle of Austerlitz in 1805, Napoleon issued a proclamation expressing his pride in his troops. Quote, Soldiers, I am pleased with you. On the day of Austerlitz, you justified everything that I was expecting of you. In less than four hours, an army of 100,000 men, commanded by the emperors of Russia and Austria, was cut up and dispersed. 120 pieces of artillery, 20 generals, and more than 30,000 men taken prisoner. Such are the results of this day, which will forever be famous. And it will be enough for you to say, I was at Austerlitz. To hear the reply, there is a brave man. End quote. In time, Napoleon's battlefield successes forced the rulers of Austria, Prussia, and Russia to sign peace treaties. These successes also enabled him to build the largest European empire since that of the Romans. France's only major enemy left undefeated was the great naval power, Britain. The Battle of Trafalgar In his drive for a European empire, Napoleon lost only one major battle, the Battle of Trafalgar. This naval defeat, however, was more important than all of his victories on land. The battle took place in 1805 off the southwest coast of Spain. The British commander, Horatio Nelson, was as brilliant in warfare at sea as Napoleon was in warfare on land. In a bold maneuver, he split the larger French fleet, capturing many ships. The destruction of the French fleet had two major results. First, it ensured the supremacy of the British Navy for the next 100 years. Second, it forced Napoleon to give up his plans of invading Britain. He had to look for another way to control his powerful enemy across the English Channel. Eventually, Napoleon's extravagant efforts to crush Britain would lead to his own undoing. The French Empire During the first decade of the 1800s, Napoleon's victories had given him mastery over most of Europe. By 1812, the only areas of Europe free from Napoleon's control were Britain, Portugal, Sweden, and the Ottoman Empire. In addition to the lands of the French Empire, Napoleon also controlled numerous supposedly independent countries. These included Spain, the Grand Duchy of Warsaw, and a number of German kingdoms in Central Europe. The ruler of these countries were Napoleon's puppets. Some, in fact, were members of his family. 
Furthermore, the powerful countries of Russia, Prussia, and Austria were loosely attached to Napoleon's empire through alliances. Although not totally under Napoleon's control, they were easily manipulated by threats of military action. The French Empire was huge, but unstable. Napoleon was able to maintain, it, maintain its greatest extent for only five years, from 1807 to 1812. Then it quickly fell into pieces. Its sudden collapse was caused in part by Napoleon's actions.